Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Delighted to be back with you again today. Thank you for being with us as we explore how Sterling White went from zero to 150 units. Sterling is a multifamily investor in the Midwest who manages over $10 million in capital. He is featured on Bigger Pockets and has contributed over 200 articles since 2014. He has been featured on other podcasts such as Bigger Pockets Podcast, Grant Cardone, Jake and Gino, and Joe Fairless. So, Sterling, take us off by sharing a memorable experience that might have helped you to be who you are today. Yes. And one thing I did want to mention, it was zero to 150 on the single family side, but overall portfolio to zero, about 500. Uh, so there uh, on that note, but then also one very memorable moment for myself was just taking more of philosophy and really embracing how different points of view that are out there, such as understanding human nature in itself that, hey, People are going to be people and act in their best interests. And many of the times their best interests may not be in your best interest. So from that is just not taking anything personal. And that is really open up the, the floodgates to just uh, being more of letting go when it comes to things in the outside world that understanding, okay, these things are in my control here. And then those are the things out of my control. So just not being worried about that. What an insightful lesson. I mean, and and difficult to learn. It is so easy to take things personal that really have nothing at all to do with us. Okay. That's just who we are as people. Sterling, share with us how it is that you go about finding off-market multifamily properties. I've had a lot of guests who know how to find off-market single-family but not many who talk about multifamily off-market. Yeah, and what one thing when it comes to the off-market side is I was going the traditional route because we shifted from single-family, so got to about 150, and then at that point was, was also self-managing, and it was a lot. It was an absolute, quite a bit of an undertaking for that, so ended up looking for a more scalable model, and multifamily made the most sense. So it was going through brokers originally, and this was in 2017. And the market really started to, to heat up to where what I was offering on the property. And when I say I, there is a team involved. So what was offering, people were offering 20 to 30% more than that. And this just kept happening over and over. So decided, okay, well, I can keep going that path or make the decision to actually beat the brokers to the punch. And before it actually gets listed to actually work direct to the, the owner and then convert them to a seller. And how do you go about finding these off-market opportunities? Yeah. So how it works is that there, there's multiple avenues, but the initial contact is a call. And one thing I want to mention, everyone, what I'm describing, anyone can actually do because all of this information is public record. And I'm going to share one tool with you that you'll definitely want to get a pen and paper ready. So the tool is G-O-O-G-L-E. Dot com. So that's how simple it is to find uh, this information. So you see, let's say it's a property that you want to 
acquire. I'll give you an example. So the very first property I acquired was a 46-unit apartment complex on the multifamily side. I drove past it, was interested, pulled the public record, saw it was an LL, in the LLC, Google searched the LLC, found out who filed that LLC, and then ended up skip tracing to, to find their uh, contact information and simply picked up the phone and said, hey, would you be interested in selling your property? And this just happened to be their very last property that they were selling. So they were in the state of motivation. So you just happened to go, why did you select this property to research? Because it was one of those, it was very, the the parking lot looked like a alligator's back. And then, so it just, it, it needed work. And then it was formally actually listed on the listing had expired. So it had all these, we call the indicators that show the likelihood of this person being motivated and actually willing to sell the property at a discount. All right. So the so you go through this process. You go to Google and find the information on the property. There's a number of different sources to find that, of course. My dilemma is always finding the actual, it's easy to find who owns it. It's easy to find, it's an LLC. It's easy to find who the the organizers are for the LLC. My dilemma is finding those phone numbers. How do you find the phone numbers? You said you went to skip tracing. What's skip tracing and how does that work? So I would say is this is a skill in itself and you have to go detective mode when it comes to this. So you're really taking bits and pieces of information and making educated guesses and saying, okay, well, this person lives in, let's say, uh, Indianapolis. Okay, I'm going to find all the people associated with, let's say, the name is Chris Johnson that are in Indianapolis. Oh, I believe this person is roughly around this age. But the source that I use is beenverified.com. That is B-E-E-N verified.com. I'm not affiliated. I don't get a kickback for anyone signing up for that. But that's what I found to be a really reliable source to actually find someone's uh, information, either their their mailing address, their home address is what I mean, and then also their their emails and then also their their contact. Another one is truepeoplesearch.com, but that one I haven't found to be that good. It's free. And in that case, you get what you pay for. That is often the case. And even I, I mean, I have paid for different sources and still not getting the information I, I really want in terms of phone numbers. And another angle that you can take, uh, which is really going above and beyond. So there's this owner, he owned 120 unit in Indianapolis and had the most difficulty getting in touch. Like uh, his, the number on his website didn't even uh, work. And then I emailed him multiple times. So this was over the course of a year, year and a half, and then ended up finding his daughter and through the, 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 the researching process and then reach out to the daughter on Facebook. So slid into the, the DM, the direct message and said, Hey, I'm actually looking to get in touch with your, your, your father, Justin. And uh, she said, Oh, here's his contact directly. Sent him a text and he responded. He wasn't a seller. He wasn't interested, but that's just another avenue that you can do as well. It certainly does take time and effort and energy to do off-market searching. Lots, and, and, lo- a lot goes into it. Yeah, Go ahead. And one thing I want to mention on that, and I just had this conversation on the podcast the other day, is that is 
the the reason why people many people go through brokers and uh, agents is because how much time that it that it does take on the off market side. But then there's also the savings involved too. So you have to just determine are you able to get that return on investment? And one of the most recent deals with that I bought, which was a 156 unit apartment complex, bought it for six point two million dollars and. Easily, a broker minimally said they would have listed that for $7 million, and I'm sure it would have got bidded up from there. So that's just the, the options you have to weigh when it comes. To- yeah, definitely. I mean, I've certainly run into the same experiences in dealing with brokers in this really heated up market. It's extraordinarily difficult to, to find properties that I am interested in through a broker because it, they just get bid up so it, high in this hot market. And my question for you, Alan, is where do you see things going at? Uh, are you seeing softening or you still see there's a demand? I see softening because of interest rates in particular that make it more difficult for people to, to find properties. And then, of course, investors are always distasteful of uncertainty. <laughs> And we certainly are in a time of uncertainty. It's still, from what I can tell, it's still a very competitive market. And so we are still, we're still looking for off-market properties. As we're just talking about this, I mean, there, there's pluses and minuses to that. People who are uh, off-market, uh, you see this in single-family homes as well, but it's the same thing in multifamily properties is that Sellers think their property is worth a great deal more than what it uh, generally and actually is. So just because you find off-market properties doesn't mean that the seller is motivated to sell at a price that is viable. Anyway, so certainly thank you for sharing that with us. Once you find a property, that is just the beginning point of getting deals together. You have to find investors both debt as well as equity investors. How do you go about that process? So building a online presence, and this is where the personal brand does come into into play, is doing podcasts such as this, or even my contributions to biggerpockets.com really help uh, of the being able to uh, attract investors. So going the route of content marketing, so pushing your message out there and it has to be valuable of the content, such as uh, sharing your story. OK, this is what you do. OK, these are lessons learned on the actual deals that I've been able to do. And then that's a way to get eyeballs on you as a uh, individual and a brand. And then people become uh, interested in that and decide, OK, this is someone they've got really great information. Oh, it looks like they also have deals that I can invest in because I'm looking to invest my my capital. And then that's how it all starts there. So I would say it's the, the content marketing and the personal brand. And then once you've got that from your initial investors, then it really snowballs if you're able to provide a good to great return to them because they'll tell others. Break this down for us, Sterling, in terms of what exactly are you referring to when you're talking about content marketing? So content marketing is let's say blogs or what a podcast, for instance, is a form of content marketing and it's inbound marketing to where you, so there's outbound marketing on the the side of reaching out to actual investors, or let's say what I do on the off-market side and also what you were talking about on the off-market is you're actually reaching out to someone 
Uh, so that is more outbound and inbound is you're putting the content out there and then people are coming to you in that case. So there's different avenues that you can write blogs. You can do video content and have your own YouTube channel. There's the, the podcast. One thing that I initially did starting out was I was doing blogs, contributing to, to bigger pockets. And then from there, I was also doing podcasting as well. And from that is uh, people who were interested in real estate came across that, that content. And it just happened to be that they had some disposable income to actually invest. And then that's when they ended up, in essence, came through the funnel and then ended up transitioning them to an actual investor. Or we could go into a marketing very deeply because you just mentioned the aspect of funnel, but we're not going to go into that right at this moment. Sterling, you've got a lot to offer and you are generous and share a lot of things with, with investors. So tell our audience what it is you actually have to offer and how it is they can get in touch with you to take advantage of that. Yeah, I, I'd say one, I wanted to go back to from the content marketing side, one book that will really help put a summarization in everything is Jab, Jab, Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. It really does the sum total and a great job. And that's really what got me started with the content marketing side. So highly recommend that book. And then secondly is I'm simply here to answer any questions that anyone has. So on my uh, website, sterlingwhiteofficial.com, one more time, that is sterlingwhiteofficial.com. There is a, a free book that you can download and then also have a, a strategy session with myself as well as if you're just having some challenges with me in your business and just want a second set of eyes. And that information will, of course, be in the show notes. Sterling, when you are talking about branding and particularly personal branding, what is it that you are specifically referring to? I would say when people think about you, what what comes to mind? And this was a conversation like yesterday that I had on the podcast. He's a good friend, of, investor friend of mine. His name's John Kasman. He made a great point that said, everyone has a personal brand, whether they know it or not. So if you don't have a personal brand, is that is your personal brand and that's something to, to work on. So I would just say in, in summary from that is, is just how people perceive and think about you. And in today's age, you can actually shape that with all the tools that we have at our disposal, whether that's Instagram, whether that's a YouTube channel, whether that's Facebook, and then people already have a perception from you before actually even meeting you. John was on our show not too long ago as well. And so, yeah, I mean, there are so many ways and means that we can put our presence out there. And the more we put that out there, the more people can relate to us as people and and know whether it is they want to invest their hard-earned money with us or not. Because people, what I found, invest in people first and foremost. And if they can relate to you, it's more often that they can uh, trust you and then actually invest their hard-earned dollars uh, into you. So yes, the, the deal, the numbers and all that uh, may make sense. But then a lot of times it's, okay, do I actually trust uh, this person? So that usually comes first is investing in the jockey versus the actual horse. Absolutely. Sterling, tell us about capital raising. You talked about finding properties, talked about marketing ourselves. Let's talk a little bit about raising the money to bring the deals together. So when it comes to, to raising money, is it or 
how the, the deals are structured on our side is racing from both accredited and unaccredited, but how the, the structure works is not doing a fund. So don't have the cash already available and raised and then buying deals. So once the deal is you have the LOI and then that's when we would announce to our investors, hey, it looks like this deal, this is one that we are looking to push the contract. So getting them uh, ready for, on that side. Uh, and then once it actually goes to contract is, hey, we've got 30 days due diligence. Here is where you can actually start to place your reservation. You actually have a reservation way beforehand. So let's say we'll have million, million and a half dollars of pre-commitments. And then we'll say, hey, this deal is under contract is, hey, here is where you would go to place a pre-commit, a soft commitment. Uh, so they're not actually funding the money. And then once there's no red flags or through the due diligence process, then that's when it's open up to raise money from investors and have about 60 days uh, to be able to do that uh, prior to the close. Certainly. Thanks for talking about that. Many people have funds these days, but not everybody wants to invest in a fund because you're investing in a fund, not necessarily directly in a property. And there's a lot of investors out there who want to know exactly what property their investment is going into. And it seems to me that there's fewer and fewer opportunities out there. Just just in general, it looks to me like many syndicators are going to funds rather than offering opportunities to invest directly in properties there. And being one of those investors that prefers direct investing, I'm glad to see that you are still into that. Sterling, you started off with single family and you went to 150 properties that you were self-managing. I don't know how you survived that, but I'm I quite don't, I don't have much hair from that experience. <laughs> Oh, you, you transitioned from the 150 single family properties into multifamily properties. Tell us about that transition. So it was, took a step back and so had about 120 or so uh, single families in Indianapolis and 30, around uh, roughly 30 in Dayton, Ohio, and decided, okay, well, do we want to continue to scale this model? And then took a step back and said, no. Okay, what's the model we wish to go into? That will be even more uh, scalable. And, and that's when uh, multifamily was one of those that came to mind. And then once made that decision, okay, let's make the shift to multifamily, no longer acquire a single family and actually started to, to sell those off. So it all came back to, okay, which model is more scalable? We had many pain points with the single family, with the, the self-managing. A lot of moving parts involved with that as far as the employees, the the overhead, all of the transactions that you have to go because these 150 single families were about 115 to 120 transactions because a lot of those were one-offs. Maybe if we were lucky, we'd get a, a package of two to three, but a lot were just one. So it's a lot of volume with that and that uh, versus on that very first deal, the 46 unit, all 46 units in one location, and then also just one transaction with one seller. Yeah, a huge difference there. And I really applaud you for going to 150 single-family units. That took tremendous amounts of, of systems and organization and determination and probably a great deal of 
sleepless nights, I would imagine. So thanks. So congratulations on making that transition. And I'm sure it has made your life simplified in many, many ways. And we often think that going into multifamily is going to make your life much more complicated. But I would suspect it was just uh, the opposite. Sterling, what are you talking about when you are talking about getting started in real estate with no credit and no money? It's more so the the path that I personally took was just finding someone who had all of those weaknesses, who had those strengths that were my weaknesses. So that very first deal, and I'm sure I mentioned it on episode 71, and if you have it went through uh, episode 71, you'll definitely want to refer, uh, go back to that. Definitely bombs were dropped on that. So is I didn't have any uh, credit when first starting out. This was 23 uh, years old. And then also, um, I mean, my credit wouldn't even register when you would pull it. And then secondly is I had negative funds because I would keep over withdrawing my accounts. But I ended up uh, partnering with someone who had the cash and then also the, the credit. The credit didn't matter because the deal was just uh, straight, uh, was just an all cash deal. And then that's how I was able to get my uh, foot in the door. And how did you establish those relationships of actually finding people that you could partner with? So it started with just putting myself out there. It happened to be that this individual that I'd partnered with ended up being my mentor was we worked out at the, the same CrossFit gym. And I never anticipated them being my mentor. It just happened to be that things uh, worked out. And I believe it's, it's, I'm not going into little why or any of that, but uh, I did put, I had my goal and my thoughts out there into the universe that, hey, I was shifting from being a construction worker and a laborer because that's what I fell in love with the real estate and really enjoyed it, but not so much the actual being of the labor part. Because uh, I ended up reading the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, which very, a lot of people are familiar with that. And from that is the rich and wealthy did not get in that way by the path I was taking. They were actually investing. So I started doing the research and I was that. And then also I was working out that CrossFit gym for uh, training for a world record. That's all another story in itself. And then this, this person that I was working out with and we formed a relationship. I overheard him one, one time speaking with the owners that doing a build out of their CrossFit gym because they were looking to expand. And I just approached him and said, Hey, how can I be of value to with you in your business? And here's the kicker. You don't have to pay me anything. And so I started working for him for free. And then he wanted to start buying single family. He already had multifamily. Normally it's the other way around. But then I said, okay, well, I've got the time to find the deals because he didn't have the time. He had the cash. Well, interesting how all of that came together. Just in the last few minutes we have together here, Sterling, talk to us about the difference between financing and structuring a syndication deal as opposed to doing that for uh, for single family? So when it came to the the, the multifamily side, is there was just more that documents and paperwork and disclosures that was in, involved with that. And then also more zeros, I would say, a two. And then also the sophistication of the investor is of on the multifamily side versus the single family side. And then from a structure standpoint, is also looking at they're entirely different from the side of on multifamily. Those are more looked at as a business that, hey, this is the net operating income. This is the cap rate. So let's say the an operating income is $300,000 and the cap rate is, let's say, 5 per, 5% in which you believe you could sell that for in the future. 
That's about $6 million if I'm doing the math offhand. That's just an example of how things are valued versus on the single family side. It's okay, this sold across the street from this, this sold across the street for this. This is where we believe we're actually going to sell it for in the, the future. And then you would provide that information to your investors to make an educated decision. Yeah, I find that that guessing game in terms of what a, a single family property is valued, I find it really crazy making because <laughs> it, it's just a guess and by golly as to what uh, it's going to be selling for. Whereas in single family homes, you have the figures and the numbers and it is really more of a business than it is just a, a guess and by golly. But I will say for people that multifamily in a way, well, when you're forecasting in the future is also, especially with the uncertainty that we have is a guess too, because, and this is what some, most people are buying deals based upon and saying that, okay, I believe cap rates are going to keep compressing. So getting smaller versus, or with the uncertainty, okay, well, things are trading for, let's say a, a five or let's say a six cap now. I believe in the future, just to be conservative, it's going to stay at a six versus saying, okay, they're going to keep getting smaller. Let's do this at a four and a half, five, which is a significant difference uh, when you're referring to a million dollar uh, property. So that could be a huge swing in uh, a sales price. Absolutely. So it, so either way, yeah, there is certainly uncertainty and in any investment, there certainly is a risk. Enlightened investors, what a pleasure being with you today. I know you've enjoyed being with Sterling as I have. And thank you, Sterling, for being with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Alan. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.